Hi, and welcome to episode 200 of No Crying in Baseball, the holy crap, it's episode 200 episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Potty Mouth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Being Potty Mouth, I would say, holy fuck, 200 episodes. Like that just seems, it's just so weird. I remember, I don't know. Do you remember our first episode? Yeah. I kind of. I mean, we started with the World Series of, of 2017, and we just right. sort of tried it out during the World Series, and we recorded a little bit every couple of days to kind of keep people up to up to date on the World Series itself and to, and to practice. Yeah. And that was like, you know, from there, we became what we are today, which is, I don't know, a little bit older, a little <laughs> bit uh, more dependent on the reading glasses, and just as opinionated. Yeah. And the, the Astros have changed in, uh, you know, their reputation quite substantially since then. They have indeed, but but you know, and ours, of course, our reputation has, of course, only grown and improved because oh, you know, absolutely. yeah, that because we're those people, absolutely. Oh my gosh, huh. we went to a game, sort of. We tried <laughs> so hard to go to a game on Friday night. We we boy, did we give it a the, all the, the just the, a great shot. We yeah. gave it our all, and and no matter what's happening with the the Nationals, I, we're still like a hundred percent behind them, and I still have a lot of hope despite all the craziness. So we went to the game Friday night. That was supposed to be a seven o'clock game. And the weather, like, I didn't even know where when to leave home. Do you remember that part? Because I was like, all right, maybe we should just wait until the storm passes because it looked like it would pass by like seven or eight, which seemed decent. And then it seemed like, oh shit, the, the, the storm part. Like we, I didn't want to be driving through it. So I was like, all right, maybe we should just take off, be near the, the stadium and then wait out the storm. There's always a place to have a beer near the ballpark, right? It'll be fine. <laughs> Sort of. Yeah. So we have a secret, though. I don't. Do you remember what the secret was called? I do. I do. So we walked around to all the, our usual hangouts, which were packed outside and so in. Packed. So packed. We were not willing to crowd inside in places that were already super crowded, and our and the outsides were full or not protected against the elements. And in fact, rain, lightning, wrath of God. There was a lot of yeah. stuff happening. And we decided, okay, fine. Let's just walk into the bar ballpark, and we'll just you know huddle on the concourse and have a beer there. And we were walking that way, and I saw this little sandwich board on the sidewalk referencing a happy hour, but it was in front of this place that looked like sort of more or less a takeout food yeah, place, like, like you know, build food. your own bowl kind of fast food place. And we stopped, and we looked at the menu, and we said, oh, adult beverages. Yeah. They actually had cocktails and beer. Hilariously, their cocktails were on tap. So you could buy them by the glass or by the pitcher, which, of course, we did because we're smart shoppers. And there were three of us. Yeah. But nobody behind the counter knows anything about them because they don't have to because all they have to do is pull the tap. Yeah. So I asked a couple of questions and I got no answers. So we said, I don't know. How about the Mumbai Mule, which was very tasty. Yep. I highly recommend the Mumbai Mule. And then, yeah, so this was an Indian bowl place. And then we had a couple of large Taj Mahals that are 22 ounce beers. There were three of us. Um, but they were six bucks, right? Yeah. I felt like we had <laughs> That's like, crazy. two of you, you two had dinner. Yeah. We had a pitcher of cocktails and we had two 22 ounce beers. And I think we probably paid less than, you know, Two beers at at the ballpark. Yeah, yeah. It if was we had eaten and drank at the ballpark, we would have spent like twice as yeah. much money. And there was hardly anybody in there, so I felt bad for the owners. Like, oh my god, you could be making a bazillion dollars like your neighbors are. But we also felt safe because there wasn't anybody else in there, and we were inside and pandemic and all of that stuff. So yeah, and we were kind of waiting for like, all right, them to just finally call the game because we were watching lightning shows and it was raining. And then, like, nothing. Like, this is so this is the part where I get a little pissy because I feel like Nat's alerts or Twitter or whatever, they said, you know, delayed. 
And then there was nothing. In the past, they have said, we will update you every hour when there's a delay. And this was not happening. Yeah, like for like two hours. So when you're rolling around past nine o'clock and you're like, you know, it's going to take them time. You're just kind of, everybody was kind of assuming they would have called it. And... I understand why they played. They played starting at 10.15, and it was because the, the the storm clearly was ending. So once they started, and it was Atlanta's last weekend in D.C., and the, the um, forecast for yesterday also looked dicey. So it was sort of like, all right, get this over with, because who knows what's going to happen to the Saturday games, blah, blah, blah. But... Because it's D.C., like, the forecast for for Friday changed totally. Friday morning, we thought we were going to be sitting through a 100-degree game at at 7 o'clock. And then, boom, it's like, oh, no, it's going to be raining. And that's what happens here. You just can't depend on the forecast. So they could have had a doubleheader yesterday. It was fine. They could have had a doubleheader today. It was fine. So, actually, I think the decision to play at 10.15 was pretty shitty because there were a lot of little kids around. They could have put it I also didn't like, as we were coming in, they were announcing, hey, if you were here and left, you can't come back in. It's not like anybody else wants anybody's seat. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, would you rather there be a crowd here or not? These people paid for tickets. I mean, granted, we were in a pretty good mood. See, picture of Mumbai <laughs> mules and two large Taj Mahal beers above. Um, and but we, you know, we couldn't stick out the whole thing. We stayed till midnight, and we're old, so that was really pretty impressive of us. I thought, and I really did have such a good time. I had it a good time fun. before the game. I had a good time at the game. Yeah, you know, especially were when the Nets were in the lead. Well, I, you know, <laughs> ideally, you know, I almost put on the list to talk about today. There was an article in ESPN about. Um, suggestions for how to encourage teams not to tank. Huh. Like, what can they do about drafts and pay and all kinds of things to eliminate tanking? But it was just too close to home because, Ouch. you know, yeah. tanking. But um, yeah. yeah, it was still fun. Although the last thing, okay, that I'm gonna that I'm gonna gripe about with this is Metro. A lot of people go by Metro, and Mm -hmm. Metro closed at 12.30. The game didn't end until after 1. We were basically walking out with the Metro people at, like, quarter past 12. So Yeah, we didn't even make it to the stretch, which, you know, for me, I always stay to the stretch. But you know what? After midnight, I'm sorry. There are no more rules. (laughs) On today's 200th episode of No Crying in Baseball, the Field of Dreams game, we have suggestions. Tyler Gilbert, oh my God, and more guys we like, Chris Sale and Joey Votto. The police blotter covers all kinds of things from air quality to, you know, misogyny. Girls and women in baseball, which we'd love to have as a regular thing, and international baseball. Woohoo. Woohoo. I feel I feel like we, I got a pre-today's show rant in, and then we're going to go right into like a post-today's show rant with just, you know, fuck the field of dreams. I got super sick of the Twitter feed the morning after the Field of Dreams. I watched most of the game, I really? would say. I yeah. stuck it for like three innings. I'm like, I am so done. I'm done. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen the big finish for sure. I did miss that. I am sorry to, to have missed that. I, I do, I mean, part of this is like, I remember, of course, when the movie came out, definitely have the nostalgia around it. You know, the whole watching the guys come out of the cornfield. I know a lot of people thought it was corny, <laughs> but I thought it was sweet like it, it I was thought that part, there there was so much that yeah I get it it was a really cool thing but at what price people and there are so many like levels of why 
we can criticize it and then like do better. Okay. So like, Mm. I think also part of like what we do like to do on our show is not only trash something, but give positive suggestions for how we can do this better next time. That's right. And honest to God, MLB, just ask us because we have all the fricking answers. And the first thing we would have told you is that's not even Kevin Costner's best baseball movie. Oh, absolutely. So there, so we'll start with that one. Right. Right. But go ahead. Hey, tell us about, is this heaven or no, it's Iowa. And we'll get back to that one too. So poor Iowa. Poor Iowa. Like, you know, th- so this is... Sucks it, to be a baseball fan in Iowa. Really hard to be a baseball fan in Iowa. And, and they're like glorifying this. And it is the most blacked out state, isn't it? Oh, sure. Yeah. So like, they, so they, some lovely people in Iowa came up with a billboard, which I think was brilliant, right near there that said, Commissioner Manfred and the MLB blackouts let Iowans watch their favorite teams. So there are six teams that are blacked out. Across Iowa, the quick Cubs. math, quick math, twenty percent of the of the major leagues, twenty percent. Go ahead, six tell us who they 30, are. I'm sorry, six out of thirty. Yeah, yep. no, no, that's good. Important math. Uh, the Cubs, the Cardinals, the White Sox, who are playing in the game, the Twins, the Royals, and the Brewers, and some of those they can't even get on cable. So Manfred blames it. Well, Manfred, of course, is trying to sort of like, you know, not blame himself. So he said it's complicated. It involves regional broadcasters, distributors, or individual clubs. So it's not his fault is what he's saying. Oh, and also he's on it. If you if you read the rest of his quote, he's absolutely on it. There's nothing more important to us as a business priority than delivering games to fans. That's what we're about. It's the top priority for us now. Uh, Uh, Say more, Rob, because this doesn't fill that bill in any way, except that people got to watch one game on Fox this year. That was it. And and it was buried. Like, he was forced to come up with that after people started complaining and after they put up a fucking billboard because, you know, they're putting it in his face. And the other shitty thing that I think we can blame him for is the whole minor league reorganization that happened that sliced a bunch of teams, including... Two out of the four Iowa minor league teams. So they lost half of their minor league ability to watch to watch baseball. So wait, so what you're saying is they can't watch it in person or right. on TV right. in so any way. They can't the watch fuck? baseball at all. But hey, Iowa, man, home to this very romantic notion of baseball right. in these two places where there's still minor league teams. Or if you can pay how much for a ticket? Yeah. So it looked like that the, the cheapest tickets were around $1,000. And of course, resale was way, way more for a very privileged 8,000 fans who got to hang out there. So I'm sure the people of Iowa had a sp- you know spare $1,000 so hanging around. You know, to be fair, there was a lottery. And lucky winners of lottery got to pay only $350 for those tickets to then, you know, oh. resell for $1,000 or $3,000 or whatever they were doing. And honest to God, the short answer is earmark that money to support minor league players. Right. And I would have been thrilled. I would still poke a couple of holes, but I would have been thrilled. It was like, okay, now you are doing something. You are having this very romantic gesture, and it's not just going to put money in the pockets of the league or the owners. It's going to pay the minor leaguers who don't get paid crap. Yeah, and you even suggested that last week. Like, there there should have been some do-getting related to this because a shit ton of money was spent. They created this ballpark in the middle of the cornfield, and now, I mean, they're saying they're going to use it once a year, right? And, you know, there... I, 
again, I think we have some ideas for what they could do instead of using this next year, unless, of course, they are also using it with our suggestion to make it a fundraiser for something else and do good with it. But um, hit me. You got yes, good ones. Yeah, so if, if you're going to like flash back to good baseball movies of the 80s and early 90s, you could Durham Bulls, Bull Durham, is that I think it's our top baseball movie. Absolutely mine. That's well, certainly the best Kevin Costner baseball movie. Yeah, no doubt. Love it. And you know what? I'm sure the Doran Bulls could use a little bit of investment. They have a stadium. The bull is still there. How about have some sort of benefit night with the Durham Bulls and flash and have Kevin Cosner come in yet again and bring in and Tim Robbins, Tim Robbins can come with him wearing his little you know garter belt and oh, all that of would, that and I think it would be awesome. That would be really good. I would right? love to see that game be replayed. Sure enough. Or, you know, if you want to go to, hey, a baseball movie near and dear to our hearts, League of Their Own, the International Women's Baseball Center actually has an active campaign right now to improve Byer Stadium Park, which was the home to the Rockford Peaches, a real team. And there's a real campaign right now. They could actually use real money because they're working on an indoor-outdoor museum there to honor women in baseball. Right now, if you individually want to support this effort, we will link to a petition as well as some cool T-shirts that you can buy. We love the swag. And I totally. And your money can go there to, you know, improve Buyer Stadium Park. And why not have an actual MLB sanctioned game there and have women play? I mean, MLB can sponsor it. They can put their money there. Yep. They sure can. Why not? They sure can. Yep. Super good ideas. Super good ideas. One more that I saw on Twitter this morning, retweeted by Moises Alou, which was an article written by José de Jesús Ortiz from an online magazine, whatever those things are called, blog, <laughs> called Arasquina. <laughs> Let's ask today's youths. They'll tell Gosh. you. No, they don't look at those you anymore. Know, I also come from the 80s. So <laughs> <laughs> this is, um, and, and, and wait, and by come from the 80s, you mean actually the 60s. Right, right. Yeah, okay. Born late 60s, but like the Formative 80s. Formative years. Right, 80s were totally the, my movie watching years. Sure. So like these movies. We haven't seen any since. Oh, totally. God, no. I just watch these over and over, really. <laughs> and and they're so near and dear to my heart because it's something about a movie that you first watched as a teenager, especially if it's all gushy baseball stuff. But the title of the article is MLB should visit Dominican Republic Field of Dreams because, you know, there are a bunch of them there. And after U.S.-born players, Dominican-born players are number two in MLB. There are about 10% of MLB players now. Why not invest in them? Didn't we have a game in Puerto Rico? That was, yep. that was, a, that was a big deal, and mm-hmm. it, it, it was important. Mm-hmm. It was important because it was after, you know, natural disasters and whatnot, and, it, and yep. it brought baseball, and it brought hope and all this stuff. So, so what the heck? Go on tour and use your powers for good, MLB. Um, I'm going to poke some more holes in the whole idea of this game just a little it. bit. One of them is, um, if you remember watching this, other than... Um, the very important role played by James Earl Jones. All the players yeah. were white because it focused on a time period when before the league was was desegregated. So, so there you know there were only white players. There were only white players. So that's a little bit problematic. It was, it was yep. you know it, it was focused on a time for a reason, but still. So all the more fun that Tim Anderson was the freaking hero of this game with, you know, with the Homer at the end, he has never seen the movie and why should he? It's not (laughs) about anything that he's going to relate to, except that it's the freaking white Sox, right? 
His wife watched the movie that week and kind of like caught him up. That's like having, you know, somebody, you know, like read your book club book for you and tell you about it. But I, I'm okay with it. Oh, sure. I'm okay with it. So I'm going to link to a, an article on 538 that I really enjoyed, which was about if they were going to make, remake Field of Dreams, what players should they focus on? Because if you look at the players in there, they were all there because they were involved in a scandal right. or because their lives were cut short by you know either their lives or their, their health got mm-hmm. in the way of them having a career or something else happened like the whole you know like um the the doctor you know not not getting his at bat because he was like saving a life and all of this so all of those kinds of stories so they said okay if we were going to make this more current they listed a whole bunch of guys but i'm just going to say pete rose barry <laughs> bonds <laughs> roberto clemente and any number of negro league players wouldn't that be a movie you'd want to see i mean come on if we're going to use that kind of list that's a lot more relatable, I think, anymore. So we're here for you, and thanks, um, Nate Silver's sports team, because I really, really liked that um, that idea. That's nice. That's nice, and we, and we need a new movie. You know, one other thing about the DR, there's a hurricane, tropical storm over there right now, right, right now, this weekend. So, yes, they might need our money. They might need our money. Hey, Tyler Gilbert, we have happy news. We have ha- did you watch, did you watch any of this? I did not. I, <sighs> I missed it, and I just saw the the notices this morning, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I was doing any number of things that weren't baseball related, and finally, I gave in. I'm like, "Oh my god, he's got three outs to go." Um, hey. Tyler Gilbert just had three outs to go to have a no hitter on his very first professional start as a pitcher. So. Um, so I turned it on, wow. and it was so much so fun to watch. Amazing. And my heart was in my throat because they kept looking at him, who was he was cool as a cucumber, and then his dad, yes. who was pacing <laughs> and cheering and pacing. I'm so like, cool. I feel for you, yeah. t- for Tyler's dad, Mr. T- Mr. Tyler's dad, man. I absolutely get you. So, <laughs> so Tyler Gilbert was in the minors for a super long time. He was he's 27, and this was his first professional start. He had three um, huh. three appearances as a relief pitcher this year, and I think I only gave up two hits um, during that time. So, you know, with the Diamondbacks, this all happened against the Padres, which, you know, oh. I know, I hate no-hitters against teams I like, but this was such a good one. Yeah. This was such a good one. Um, the only guy who got on base was Tommy Pham, who he walked three uh-huh. times, and that was his last out. Um, the last out, bottom of the ninth, was was Tommy Pham. Three times? Yeah. That's so funny. So that was really super cool. Um, he was picked up by uh, from the Dodgers, by the Diamondbacks, in the minor league Rule 5 draft. The The Dodgers didn't bother to protect him. All they had to do was throw him on a AAA roster to protect him, and they huh. didn't do it. Because, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. But the D-backs, the, one of their scouts had been watching him for a very long time and said, oh, no, grab him up. We want him. He did not even play in 2020 because no minor leagues and right, he wasn't right. appointed to the minor to the um to the alternate site for the Dodgers or anything. So he spent the summer apprenticing with his dad the electrician because he had to pay the bills. Wow. And he did say last night this is better than that. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> which, wow. I, which I appreciated. But, you know, there were no minor leagues. These guys had to get paid. They had to do something. And so he was working. He was working. So um, this is how cool this was. Um, this was the first no-no by a, a debut as a starting pitcher in 70 years. It was the first one ever at Chase Field. Wow. And it 
it was the eighth no-no this season, which breaks an MLB record for the number of no-hitters in one season. And do you remember they were all really bunched? Mm-hmm. Like in you know April and May, like one in June and then nothing. And right. then boom, here's one. Is this the first one since the Sticky Stuff inspections? It is. And there's all kinds of um, questions about that. Like, okay, did he just figure it out? Or are there new th- new substances being used that no one's checking for yet? Huh. We don't know, but, um, but he did it. And um, earlier today, I got notified that Tristan McKenzie, who's one of my guys on the Guardians, who have been up and down from the minors this year, um, had a perfect game with two outs in the eighth. And then he gave up a single against Detroit. And then so he ended up not pitching in the ninth. But um, he had had a really tough year. Last year, he was was golden. And I was really excited to have him this year. But he was really spotty this year. And look at this. Here he comes back and almost a, a perfect game through, you know, seven and two thirds innings, which is pretty rocking. So yay also for you, Tristan McKenzie and Tyler Gilbert. Good on you. You stuck it out. Age 27 and you finally made it and you you entered the the um, this show with a bang. And that's really super cool. That is amazing. Well, speaking about pitchers, uh, not exactly debuting, but coming <laughs> back, us Red Sox fans have been waiting with bated breath for two years plus one day for Chris Sale to make his reappearance, and he did, and it lived up to expectations. I was just, you know, the whole thing, so much pressure on this dude and on the Red Sox for this outing. It was against the Orioles. They ended up winning by a lot. He went five innings, which was the plan, had eight strikeouts, let up two runs, which were back-to-back home runs, which was that moment that you kind of go, eh, what's Uh-oh. going on? Uh-oh. Yeah, by Hazen and Mancini. But then, you know, shut it back down. But the, the coolest thing about it was his post-game interview where he once again wore that daddy long neck shirt that we talked thing. about last week or the week before. It is a weird thing, but it seems to be his good luck charm. Go like, for it. He's won it, wore it multiple times. It's a weird looking shirt. This is go back to a previous uh, episodes where we explain this YouTube sensation guy who's basically a, a guy who can't gain, gain weight. And it's, um, I don't remember the name of the, of the, I don't know if it's disease or condition that he has, but it gives sale you know sale is said it's the one thing that makes him feel jacked because he's a skinny guy too but it makes him feel jacked to wear the super skinny guy on his shirt yeah and he was super emotional in this in this um interview where he talked about basically the game was taken away from him and for the past two years it's it's really hurt him he's been suffering but he said that you know from here on he is not going to take any day for granted that he's going to like give it his all every day because he knows how fragile yeah. And this is, you know, something we see too often. It's fragile. You never know. Like an injury can happen in a moment and that's it. Hello, Jacob deGrom, for instance. Right. Yeah. Right. Sh- uh, Shane Bieber, who actually pitched from a mound in the in the bullpen for the first time since June. So he may be back. But yeah, these guys who have these spectacular careers and then boom, the next day they're out. Yeah, they're out. And you don't know how long. Is it going to be a couple weeks? Is it going to be years? It's going to be two years in one day. Right. The thing that I appreciated most was was your post about, hey, can we just stay positive and cheer Red Sox and not (sighs) boo the Orioles who already know they're having a hard time? Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you for that. 
I well, it, and I also feel like it's fucking hubris. Like it comes back to bite you in the ass. The Orioles have done it. Have done the Red Sox in in September multiple times, including. And I remember being at the game in 2011, the last fucking game of the season, where they eliminated them. So stop. Like there's no use in trashing the other side. And I think it makes your case look worse. Like if you're cheering on your guy for doing well, why say the other team team sucks? Like your guy is doing well. Like that's enjoy that's that. Right. Celebrate that. Yeah, that's what you should be focused on. Can I just say that it flashes me back to this very super late night game we were at with um, the, against the Hammers? And may I just say again, we're using Hammers for the Atlanta team and the Guardians a year early for mm-hmm. the Cleveland team because we're following our friends in um, Two Strike Noise History podcast who have taken this as their um, their standard for how they're gonna how they're gonna talk. And, I, and we think this is a good idea. So late night. You know the 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 hammers start coming back, and a couple of people started doing the freaking chop in Nats Park. And um, as as Potty Mouth pointed out, it's a good thing there were kids between us and yes. them because I was feeling feisty. See the Taj Mahal beers above, but I would have had a few things to say. But I did kind of yell at them, and then there was a kid who was an Atlanta fan sitting kind of in front of us, mm-hmm. and I I made it clear saying, "The home run is great. The chop is a problem." Right. I wanted to be very clear that you can cheer on your team doing good things in my ballpark, even when it's against my team. Uh, how can I fault you for loving yeah. a baseball team? But don't do this racist crap. Yeah. Right? It's like, okay, you can, there, there's no need for that extra thing that makes it bad. Totally. Celebrate the good. Yeah. Celebrate the good. Yeah. And and Fanway Park, once again, during the Orioles game, erupts in a Yankee suck chat. I am <laughs> I so, understand so you sick people. of that. So sick of that. Oh, my God. Hey, what is what does Joey Votto do? So you know who I am not sick of. <laughs> Joey Votto still bangs. Yeah, he does. I saw that t-shirt and I was like, yeah, do I need another baseball t-shirt? Maybe need is I not the do. question. Want. It's all about the Joey one. Votto, 37 Joey years Votto. old, has had 14 home runs in 20 games. And the only other red to do that was Frank Robinson. Oh, Frank Robinson. Who he actually, in, in some post-game interview, talked about how he had the opportunity to, to meet him and how much he respects him and what an honor this is to be, you know, in the same sentence as him. And so Votto's up to 26 for the season. The The way that he hit the last couple of home runs is sort of styling, that he backed up your dude, uh, Cast- Nick Castellano. Castellanos, I left off the S, right? You're fine. All right. Uh, who, last Wednesday, was hit by a pitch twice oh. in one game. They but don't like when he each... flexes, I think. I hear that about him. And, and especially Joey Votto seems to like t- t- take offense to anybody who takes offense to Nick's flexing. Right. You got it. I like it when well he flexes. Done. Yeah. Um, but he followed each of those with a two-run home run. And then <laughs> Friday, Castellanos got hit by a pitch again. Jeez, oh, and, of Pete's. course— Votto hit, followed it again by a three-run home run. So at this point, Joey Votto has passed Pete Rose, of all names, as third in Red's RBIs. Pause, because yeah. we have now said Pete Rose in two different t- uh, segments in one podcast. And what are the odds? Does that mean oh, we have to oh, drink? I made, I made a betting joke. <laughs> what are the odds that we said Pete Rose twice? I think we have to drink. <laughs> That's good. Betting jokes around Pete Rose. I will drink. Oh, mm. my. This is a good yeah, beer. It is very good beer. Mine is getting very low. I might have to call it Mine is support. too. This is um, North River Brewing from uh, Kent, Ohio. It's their Revelation IPA, and it is tasty. Highly recommended. 
So, yeah, so uh, who was I talking about? Yeah, Pete Joey Rose. Votto and Pete Rose. <laughs> Joey Votto now has 1,038 RBI. 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 Runs Tony Perez, yeah. Tony Perez had 1,192. He's got a little bit of a ways to go to catch him. And, of course, number one is Johnny Bench, 1,376. So wow. can he get there? I don't know, but I'm going to have fun watching. I think watching. you should get that shirt. You know what? If yeah. you get that Joey Votto shirt, I'll get that Nick Castellanos portrait that his kid drew of him, and then we could each have a red shirt, and oh. then we can go to Cincinnati and see a Reds game together in our shirts. That's a plan. Okay. Done. Done. Look at us. We're shopping. We're yeah. drinking. We're shopping. <laughs> the we're two making go together. betting jokes. They go together really Oh, well. my God. We're going to get to betting in just a second. And the police blotter. We're going to talk police blotter. So we've got a weird combination of things, although two of them are tied together pretty closely. The first one is air quality. Hmm. So we talked about this in prior years on how the wildfires in... Oh, don't worry. I can finish my beer if okay, you need to call I'm, tech support. Gonna, while um, you're talking about air quality, I might yeah, put in that order. Yeah. So, you know, all the wildfires that have been happening in California over the past couple of years, which are increasing in number, create air quality problems as far over as Reno, Nevada, where the Reno Aces play. And last week, the Reno Aces, the AAA team there, were um, hosting the Tacoma Rainiers, and smoke from the Dixie Fires in California affected three of the six games that they were playing in. I'm going to pause and drink a beer because otherwise I'll, I'll think about all the smoke getting inhaled and I'll want to cough. And so this is going to just help me not yeah, do that. That's yeah. all right. Just sort of settle things down. I'm just trying to figure out what size. I, we're just going to get another can for I think reinforcements. So. I okay. think so. I think that's good. So there's actually, there, there is a policy about when you call a game because the air quality is bad. So air quality is based on a, um, a scale of like particulate matter that's like, small enough to breathe in. So if mm-hmm. there's stuff in that smoke that you can breathe into your, your lungs, they measure it. And there's a scale. And if it's if it gets to 150, then that's called unhealthy. If it's 200, that's considered very unhealthy. Right? Thank so, you. These guys, the Rainiers and the Aces, were coughing. They were having difficulty breathing. Ooh. Breathing seems kind of key for, you athletes, know, athletes, just yeah. being alive, you know, in general. Some of them had nosebleeds oh happening. My God. So their their AQI, their, their air quality index was 195, which was almost to the very unhealthy. And the actual policy for, um, I don't know, I think, it's M- I think it's minor league baseball, is 200. So they were at 195, so they played. Oh, my God. They played. So advocates for minor leaguers got involved because a lot of the players. Bless them. I'm so happy that in the past couple of years, minor league players know who to contact mm-hmm. now. They know to speak out to advocates for minor leaguers or more than baseball. And yeah. then these these organizations will get the word out and will publicize the problems. And what advocates for minor leagues made happen was have those minor league teams post what their policies are. So they were at least clear. It didn't stop the games from being played because they could say, hey, the AQI is 195. We stop it at 200. So we're playing. We're playing. So they said, like the health experts said, you know what? If these guys are healthy, it's going to suck during the game, but there probably won't be long-term effects unless they do it a lot. And, you know, climate change... Yeah. More more forest fires, more wildfires. They probably will be doing it a lot more later. They said it's probably worse for the fans who tend to be in less pristine athletic condition hmm. to be sitting there for all of those hours. So that's also not great. And it said it's probably getting worse. So they had the only ideas they had was if, if they're not going to not play, 
They said they could play earlier in the day, like late morning before it gets bad, which, you know, down with ticket sales, unless maybe on the weekend. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, or move the team. But who wants to move the team from places that still have baseball? So it's right. really tricky. It's really tricky. But uh, so, the, you know, I, I'm happy to know they were following the policy. But um, some of the health experts that were talked to in this article um, said, I tell my friends who are going camping, don't go camping when the air quality index is like Shit. this. So there's that. Yeah. And nobody's going to build a dome for minor leaguers. Mm-mm. Like there's no way to control that air. Nope. Nope. Hey, let's talk about barstool oh, sports. Fuck them. I am so glad that you do this shit because I just can't even with this. Yeah. So I take it for the team. And I that's appreciate okay. that. I'll so just swear over here. You may have seen on social media that... MLB has been in talks with Barstool Sports, as well as other places, to broadcast what they call non-exclusive midweek games. These are Monday and Wednesday games that could also show up on MLB Network or your cable network and all that. They wouldn't take them away from that, but they wanted additional outlets for these places. They also talked to like the, you know, the Peacock streaming service mm-hmm. and a couple of other places. And what they talked about with Barstool was, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you guys had the feed from this game and you, you know, you had your commentators because they talk about sports gambling a lot. And MLB is leaning in hard. If you have watched or been to a major league game, there is gambling stuff all the frick over the place. And they want to lean into that. So Barstool would help them lean into that. And also Barstool has a very young demographic. And they, hey, we want a younger audience. We want a younger audience. See us putting games in front of more people that Barstool would would have Ugh. these games on their, their website and all their social media outlets. That's how they would broadcast them with whatever overlay Barstool Sports would do. But the younger audience that you're getting is a very specific one. Yes. It's not just the gambling audience. It's the misogynistic, racist audience. Right. If you pay attention to what happens on um, on Barstool Sports, I now tend to not look at their things unless they're really waved in front of me. But they are very famous for harassing female journalists, saying horribly misogynistic things, saying horribly racist things. And yeah. not only... Like via social media, but their founder on his own yeah. is a shithead when it comes to this stuff. He just, he is a horrible person as far as all of, in all of these categories, does not censor himself. You know, he just shares whatever he thinks and they're not for public consumption and yeah. yet they are. But it gets their fan base to do the same thing. So you get their fan base ganging up on, say, a female journalist or whatever. So happily, happily, other people are paying attention, like a lot of other journalists are saying, oh, no. Yeah. No, no, this is a bad idea. There are Barstool Sports is now the title sponsor for the College Football Arizona Bowl. Oh, my God. Pima County, their board of supervisors said, screw this. We're pulling our funding. Really? They did. The That's county pulled their funding for the Arizona Bowl. They said, I don't see how we in good conscience can give financial support to an organization with a documented history of offensive and inappropriate statements. When I first saw it, I honest to God thought it was just a joke. It was mm-hmm. like some weird retweet of or some like lame account. I couldn't even fucking believe that they would take Barstool Sports seriously. And we, as far as I think I know we don't actually follow anything Barstool on Twitter because 
I don't want to support them in any way. But it pisses me off that especially a couple guys are constantly on our feed just because they get so much attention. And I don't want, I just don't want to see that. I yeah. like opening up our account and seeing a lot of positive stuff. And sometimes I see our positive people bitching about stuff like this, but I would rather see it through that lens than... That's right. Yeah. That's absolutely right. So again, it's not a done deal. They're in talks with other outlets as well. But I just feel like MLB just never talks to women. Right. They just never say, hey, women, please tell us what you think about this. Um, And that, of course, leads us right back to Trevor Bauer. There is um, some investigative reporting in the Washington Post, which has uncovered what was previously a sealed um, court uh, court records in the state of Ohio from just last year, from 2020. If you remember, Trevor Bauer pitched for the Reds and prior to that for the Cleveland team. So last year, a, an Ohio woman actually filed for a protective order against Trevor Bauer with very similar experience as what we're seeing now as far as losing consciousness, the punching, the all of these things. And it was a year ago. It actually, some of this happened in 2017, but the actual protective order went through the courts last year. I think she ended up you know, stopping it and pulling pulling it back out. Bauer's team said, oh, it's an extortion attempt. You're doing yeah. this because you want to get money from me. She, in fact, was getting threats from Trevor Bauer, like death threats from him, which is why the protective order, not so much, I want your money. It's like, I want you to not kill me. Did you, did you see his tweet about this? Oh, yeah. It was, it's just like, I don't know. You know, it's interesting. And then Rachel Luba, his his agent lawyer or whatever, Both. retweeted it and commented and opened the comments for her first time in months, basically saying like, okay, folks, all what you've wanted to say to me for months, like, let it have it. But everything that they said and the whole thing about extortion, nothing goes back to the fact that there are documented injuries and hospitalization. Like, the damage was done. It doesn't matter what the fuck you say. It doesn't matter. It, like at this level, it doesn't fucking matter that if she wanted compensation or whatever, you don't injure somebody. You don't assault a person. Like they didn't address that issue. You want more? Oh, sure. So this stemmed from an incident in 2017. This is another one of those on again, off again relationships right. that spanned a couple of years. In 2017, he called the police on this woman to his apartment saying that she was there, like, uninvited. But, you know, it's a secure apartment. Huh. So how did she get in there and where were her pants? I mean, wow. she was, somebody had to let her in. Sounds like you, Mr. Bauer, because how the hell else would she be in there? Um, so the police come, and she's trying to show them, like, photos of her injuries. And instead, they arrest her for, wait for it, underage drinking. Oh, my God. So she apparently, so the post. Who gave her the alcohol. So the post, you know, has a policy where they don't say yeah. anything that you can identify the person with. So they're not giving name, ages. They're not giving names unless the person says, yes, use my name. But the important thing about ages where they were clear that she was an adult, which means she was over 18, which means that, you know, if she was consenting, she could consent. Right. But under the age of 21, because if she was arrested for underage drinking while actually having been beaten up in a major league pitcher's apartment 
It's so gross. So how young was she and what the hell and so many freaking things wrong with all of this. And my last question about this is, did the Dodgers know? Right. How I mean, much diligence was done to this investigation? Did you ask any women, Dodgers? Yeah. I repeat, did you ask any women? So this is still going on. They still haven't had the the hearing about the, the protective order in um, in California yet. I think that's coming up this week. Things keep getting kicked down the road. Well, and the other thing, and sorry to, to beat on this, but at zero, as far as I can tell, players who have worked with him have come forward yeah. to defend Zip-o. him. Zip-o. So you would think if he was any semblance of a decent person, some teammate at this point would have been like, wait, you, you know? Oh, yes, beard. You're going you're gonna to do this? I'm going to do this okay. because um, I, have, I have concluded my, uh, my vent. You were doing <laughs> okay. a good job with the vent. And you have nice things to say. All right. I'm going to transition. And we have, I mean, after 200 episodes, we're about to have a historic moment this week if I can get my shit together. And we are going to release an interview in Spanish and Espanol for those of you who would like to practice your Spanish, see how much you understand, or if you're bilingual and you might just enjoy this interview that I did with Francela Verdura, who is a young woman, 14 years old, from Costa Rica. She has a Cuban father who's always been very interested in baseball. Her mom's from Colombia, and her dad has had her in sports. They're they're just a super sports family. And in Costa Rica, football is soccer is definitely the predominant sport, but her dad's a baseball person and so she's played both softball and baseball, but her dad connected her with Justine Siegel from Baseball for All. And they arranged for her to come up, and uh, she stayed with a family in D.C., which is how we got the connection, because it was uh, Piper Cherry's family, who we interviewed a few weeks back, several weeks back. From D.C. Girls Baseball. Yep, from D.C. Girls Baseball. And they, you know, she had said, oh, you should should connect with Francella. And she was the only Latin American participant at the Baseball for All tournament. And so she told me all about her her experiences, and she's much more comfortable in Spanish than in English. So we did a complete interview in Spanish, but right now we have just a touch of an English interview for you. here with Francela Verdura, who I just spoke to in Spanish for our special Spanish episode. And we're just going to say a few things in English for this week's podcast. So Francela, welcome to No Crying in Baseball. Could you just tell me your age? How old are you? And what grade you're in in school? Okay. Um, I am 14 years old. Um, in eighth grade, was it? Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Okay. And you play baseball, which is fantastic. In Costa Rica, what positions do you play? Um, I'm pitching. Um, my favorite position is shortstop. Um, I play, um, I don't know, second base, something like that. Yeah. That's fantastic. And could you just quickly say something about your experience here with the Baseball for All tournament? Did you have a good time? Yes. It's um, 
is beautiful. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, I know as somebody who um, learned Spanish that it's difficult to speak in another language. So I want to say thank you very much for this part in English. And for anyone who wants to try out their Spanish, we have a special episode that's dropping later this week where you can hear all about Francella's personal experience with baseball, how she got to baseball for all, and her plans for the future. So thanks again, Francella, for joining me for both the Spanish version and the English version for okay. No Crying in Baseball. Thank you. So I just want to say thanks again to, to the Cherry family and to everybody from DC Girls Baseball for connecting us with Francella. It was super fun talking to her. And if you want to try out your Spanish, just keep an eye on the feed. You should be subscribed to our podcast, absolutely. And the complete interview will be dropping in a couple days. Super fun. And the cool thing is that after Baseball for All tournament for sort of high school and below aged aged girls, this past weekend, the Women's College Invitational happened, which is also sponsored by Baseball for All, looking at, you know, that, that building the ladder. So giving these girls who have now been able to play in girls baseball an opportunity to continue playing baseball in college. So it happened in at Sanitary University in New Jersey with 30 women Four of them are actually on college baseball teams, which are called men's teams. But if the college doesn't have a women's baseball team, it's really the baseball, the baseball team. team. Yep. So if you're a woman, you know, like we've talked about a lot, a lot of these girls play on their Little League teams. And if you listen to the interview with Francella, she plays on a boys baseball team in Costa Rica because she's pretty much the only girl there doing it. But uh, part of this was getting the ball rolling, so to speak, for the colleges this fall who are going to be having women's club baseball. There are 12 schools that have committed to Justine Siegel to do this. And it's one of these steps toward getting NCAA-sanctioned sport as women's baseball. So if you want to support women playing baseball in college, there is a link that we're going to put in here. There's a campaign for donations toward Baseball for All, especially for this Women's Collegiate Campaign. And keep your eyes open. So as of time of recording, because we're recording on Sunday afternoon, this um, invitational is still going on. But Monday morning, they will be featured on CBS This Morning. So this oh, is yay. tomorrow for us, yesterday for you. There's got to be a video out there somewhere. And they promise to do updates on the Baseball for All Instagram. So definitely subscribe to that. Check that out and support women's baseball at absolutely every level. You know, the, the reason why like, I pause for a moment, because I remembered that what one thing that Francella told me that was really interesting was that when she plays with all boys in Costa Rica and somebody messes up, you know, they get frustrated. They throw things like things, you know, if, if you're, you're fucking up, you, you just like get upset. But what she loved about playing with girls is that if you mess up, you get support. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a different that? feel. It's a very different that? feel. And this this whole women's college invitational, this is a very cool step. You were watching history being made because yeah. it's going to end up being a, an NCAA sport and you're watching it happen. These are the things that have to happen first before it gets there. And it's actually happening and you're all there to see it happen. So Justine Siegel, you are an amazing oh human. Oh my God. 
Totally amazing. Yep, and you can donate. You can make it happen. So quick international check. CPBL, Taiwanese baseball, we are almost through the first half of the season, and we know that the first half champion actually goes to the Taiwan series. And my beloved Lions are so close, and I don't know if by the time you're listening to this if that has changed, but I think they're about a half game back. It might be worse. I think they lost today. So it's between the the Lions and the Brothers for the first half champs. The Guardians had brought in Eduardo Nunez, who I've talked about before on the show because I adore him from when he was on the Red Sox, and he was actually lighting it up there for the Guardians. It's not usual for the Taiwanese teams to bring in a position player. They usually need the pitchers. But in seven games for the Guardians, Nunez was batting 320 with a 346 on base percentage, 480 slugging. Wow. Thank you, Patrick Melbourne and CPBL Stats for the information. But he had to leave suddenly because his mother-in-law has COVID oh. in critical oh, care. No. So it's a heartbreak for so many levels. For the Guardians, this would be the Taiwanese Guardians, not to be confused with the Cleveland Guardians. He could go back in two or three weeks. It depends on, you know, what's happening with his mother-in-law. There's the quarantine issue. And can they afford to wait that long before bringing in another foreign player? So, I don't know. Maybe the season break will give them a little bit of chance. I don't know if there's that much of a break. But we just got to hope. I hope everything works out well for Nunez and that he's able to play somewhere because he's obviously got a lot of gas left in that tank. And interestingly, Potty Mouth just gave us our only COVID report this week. Oh, hey. Right? I mean, there's good news on um, the MLB front with COVID in that Don Mattingly is back. He's feeling better. He was on the COVID list. Oh, good. He was fully vaccinated. He said, I'm really happy I was because I felt kind of crappy and I can't imagine how bad it would have been. Wow. Otherwise, and there's not really, I think some Someone on the Diamondbacks today just went on the COVID IL, but that seems to be it right now. So I think we're, you know, knock on whatever you can knock on. This was a, a slow week for the pandemic in MLB. And um, yeah, get your vaccines, people. Wow. Absolutely. Get your vaccines. If you don't have enough baseball... This weekend, it's the Czech series. Yes, that is Czechoslovakia. They're playing baseball. It's a best of five it's series. It's the Czech Republic. Shit. Yeah, yeah. It's You've been the drinking. Czech. I have been drinking. It, that's the Czech Republic. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. As of like how many years? Decades now, yes. I think. But yeah. I don't know because I'm old, so it all just sort of flows together after a while. Right. Re- yeah. Read above that I'm a child of the 80s. And like once upon a time, I had actually a student from Czechoslovakia. But yes, yes, the Czech series. No wonder they call it the Czech series. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the pronunciation I can't do. The arrows versus the Drachi, would you think that would be Drachi? I know it's Birno is the name of the the city. I thought it was Drachi Birno. Okay, Arrows Ostrava versus Drachi Birno. Right now, the Arrows are up three games to two. They played this past weekend, but next Friday and Saturday, they're playing again. We're going to put in some links. I'm pretty sure that these games are available on YouTube, at least one of the past ones are. One of the things, though, that I thought was fascinating looking to this is they have foreign players. They have a couple of Venezuelans in there, including Pabel, Pabel, Montanero. They're supposed to be a lot easier for you to say than the Czech names. It's so much. I know. (laughs) All right. Which pair? Yeah. Montanero, I got his last name. He, he, during the season, he was batting 531. So if you're Venezuelan and you want some place to play baseball, what? I would say go to the Czech Republic because it seems to be pretty well. Eugene Helder from Aruba, 25 years old, is also playing over there. 
And uh, he had been in the minor leagues for five years before playing in the Czech Republic. So I wonder if the Czech Republic pays better. Yeah, I don't God, know. That would be weird. That would be weird. That would be I have no idea. That would be a good investigation. Do they pay better than the minor league? But, you know, there were definitely more Venezuelans on the list. I don't know who else. But check the check baseball. Check the check baseball. Hey, it's been like a week or so since Miggy hit a home run. You know, the watch is on, though. And the cool thing is that they're at home for a while. I'm pretty sure today, like, and and the festivities are just sort of ramping up. This is Miguel Cabrera of the of the Tigers going for his 500th home run, um, and and we're on the watch. And today, well, they you know Cleveland didn't help by just trampling them today, but who knows what's going to happen? I'm okay with that as a Cleveland girl because we've had a little bit of a slide. So nice to see better things happening for the guardians right now but i do i want to i want Mickey to get this yeah and, and you I, know what we didn't say at all this what? this game what? this episode which what? i should just rectify really fast is Good. baseball boyfriend we didn't say baseball boyfriend didn't we oh my god we just did not yeah not one bit and that's weird so usually our, our our podcast is and this is episode 200 so i've got to fucking what say this we're usually focused on these baseball boyfriends which are the guys that we each pick one per team each each season because they're cool. There's something beyond the field that we love. And Joey Votto is when I should have said it. Tim Anderson is when I should have said it. These are past baseball boyfriends of ours. And obviously we have impeccable taste. But also Miguel Cabrera was my baseball boyfriend from the Tigers. I think it was just, it was recent. It was last year or the year before. I picked him as as a senior, older member of the squad. So in honor of um, our 200th episode, I'm wearing a No Crying in Baseball podcast shirt that um, Potty Mouth and Mr. Potty Mouth, I think, had Mr. made Potty up. Mouth Mr. Potty Mouth had made up at the very beginning of all of this. And it lists our initial baseball oh, boyfriends right. on the back. And Josh Bell's on my bench. And I love him so much. And oh, wow. I kind of want to bend our rules and have him be my forever boyfriend now. But we can't because I, we made stupid rules 200 episodes ago and I don't think we can change them. <laughs> we did do that. Yeah, but it so does say Josh Bell in small letters on my back right now and I feel good about that. That is so awesome. So those rules do say that we have to change every year except for one that we get to hold over but that is for your listening entertainment folks. It is not for the success of our fantasy teams and actually this is something else that we've been lacking on because we've been playing this fantasy league. You know why? Because Karen keeps killing us all. Yeah. Karen is winning so much. Is that she killing us softly? No, she's making a lot of noise because she's that good. Yeah, they, yeah. rocking on, rocking on, Karen. But we appreciate having friends play with us this year, even though we personally are very limited because, read above, we have very stringent rules on who can be on our fantasy teams. And everybody else has to follow the rules in that they can't pick assholes. Like, they're, you know, we definitely have the do not pick list, and our players, our coaches, our managers, our managers, managers in our, in our league. i about that. They've been very good and, and actually only have, dropping people. Yeah, and they can only have one guy per team mm-hmm. on your team, and people have been really good about that. Um, I will say... Hunter Renfro, who's my guy on the Red Sox, keeps mm. coming up, but I don't like getting those alerts because it's always coming up when they're playing the Orioles. Uh. So it's a little insult injury. If I can do a quick little um, boyfriend update. Mm-hmm. So um, Jesse Winker, who is my boyfriend with the yeah. Reds, who is, I mean, I have so many favorite Reds right now. We really need to go to the Cincinnati and go to the Great American Ballpark. Um, Jesse Winker was on, like, was day to day. 
as of Friday because of like some back tightness. And then I got this alert yesterday or this morning saying, hey, he's healthy again. And I put him on. And then later on today, I said, hey, he is back on day to day. So I'm Ooh. sad about that. And um, Ryan Mountcastle, who's one of my very favorite boyfriends with the O's, is still on the concussion seven day, oh. um, which they're, I'm glad about because they're being really careful. MLB yeah. is very careful about head injuries now. So if there's any um, question about you maybe being concussed, they're going to keep make you sit out for seven days. And I think that's good long term. And I appreciate that. Yep. Especially for the youngins. Especially for the youngins. We want to keep you playing for a long time. And I have not looked at Adley Rutschman this week because um, I, I would obsess. <laughs> Understandable. Understandable. Oh, my gosh. So we don't have a game to go to this week. But, you oh know. Oh, my God. No baseball this week? Well, there's plenty of baseball. We just right. can't go there in person. Yeah. And we'll have to, like, you know, find a way around blackouts to watch the teams that we want. But yeah. we have ways. We have ways, Rob Manfred. We can get around this crap, but we shouldn't have to. Yeah. Thank you very much. So our friends out there. Thank you for sticking with us for some of you for all 200 episodes. That's really cool. This is so much fun. We love doing what we do, and we really appreciate you guys have, who have stuck with us and our new friends who have come in since then um, in the, the past several years and who now stick with us. Thank you. If you have other friends or family who you think would like to hear us talk about baseball, let them know about No Crying in Baseball. If you want to leave us a rating or a review, we surely do appreciate that. Please, please, please find us on social media. Hang out with us on Twitter, NCIB Podcast, Facebook, and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. If you haven't gotten your vaccine yet, what the hell, people? Right, get to it. We have standards here. You can do this. Um, please do that. Please um, take care of your friends. Take care of your family. Please fight the man at all times. And until next week. Oh, my God. 200 for the 200th oh time. God! Oh, my God. Say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. Ready to go because this is number 200. Hey, I'm ready. All right, woohoo.